0: the world casts its eyes downwards, economically speaking, I want to know how can we look up to fashion? Where in clothing do we understand purpose and what are the stories that give this sentiment power? Season 11 of Style Stories aims to address these questions by delving into some of the soul-reaching stories coming from the community of Dress for Success Sydney, the not-for-profit organisation whose mission is to empower women to achieve economic independence by providing the clothing, confidence, and community to help women thrive in work and in life. This series will continue to share stories of creative people with a strong sense of style, but with women who not only understand how we dress, serves a purpose to success, and are able to circle back to the significant impact clothing can have on confidence and community. Today, I'm chatting with Julie Stoker, former client and current employee of Dress for Success Sydney. Forever a ray of sunshine, Julie has perfected the art of keeping up with appearances. This has landed her an elegance and strength of style that sees her as a reigning pageant queen, but has also groomed and protected her through the tougher times. Today, with the help of DFSS, Julie's inner self matches the strength and grace of her outward expression, and it's her style to boldly let her voice be heard. I hope you can sit back, relax, and enjoy listening to Julie's story. All right, so Julie, thank you so much for finally we got to to connect today after a few failed attempts because of winter flus, etc. But now we're both on the um, on the mend, and uh, in fact, you're the impetus for this whole season of um, style stories, and for me partnering with Dress for Success because I heard you speak at an event. Last year, and I was so moved by your story. Um, My whole table of people were in tears listening to, you know, your heartfelt um, portrayal of of how things shifted for you in your life and how important just success was in reshaping it. Uh, So thank you for sharing your story and for um, starting this whole thing going. But uh, today is about your story, and I want to jump in. I have read um, that you've described yourself as a girl who was very bright in school and could have gone on to do great things, but your future and the possibility of a career was never really considered an option for you. So can we just start off by unpacking that a little bit and what that meant in terms of your childhood?
1: Absolutely, so I was born uh, in the 60s, so I was a teenager in the 70s and I grew up in a country town, two older brothers, mum and dad uh, had us late in life, my father was 40 and had been in the second world war and mum was 37, very unheard of back then, mum had the three of us in her 30s, Uh, it's very common now but it wasn't back when I was born. And so they ha- and they were country people themselves. Mum left school was very bright. In actual fact, she was the ducks of her little country one teacher school, and then she- and um, but she left at fourteen, and my father left at fifteen. It was very much um, a very um, working class background for both of them, and then um, I grew up in Gunadhar, and that that actually went on with me as well and um, so I did very well at school in so much so I was just at home in Gunnada on the weekend for my mum's 97th birthday and um, we were chatting and she said oh you're very bright at school Julie remember the the principal called us to say why isn't Julie going on to do year 11 and 12 but I'd already had a job to go to I was 16 already had a job to go to at the local department store and so I I finished school on the Friday and started my working life on the Monday and it was at the same department store that both my parents worked at and so that and life just went on and it was yeah I don't ever recall university or anything
0: being discussed it just never was. Was it was it something so it might not have been discussed in your house but was it something you had entertained in your own mind like did you dream no. about a life beyond Gunada and the department store no not and at so that you, stage you were quite no, satisfied with with you know following the protocols that your parents had kind of set for you and what have you
1: i was But funnily enough, um, once I started working, um, I wasn't satisfied. So I really knew I wanted to not stay in that position. Um, So I ended up going to TAFE and doing, not so much a secretarial course, but learning how to type. Um, That was my little stepping stone. And from there, um, I was at the department store for a couple of years. And then um, I ended up applying for a, quote, good government job. Um, and so I applied for that and I ended up um, moving to Temworth, which was the big smoke to me. <laughs> was, you know, a 50 minute drive away to Temworth, And um, I men- so I moved out of home when I was 19. And that was really the start of my journey. Uh, mm. And so I worked at Department of Social Security, uh, which is now Centrelink, um, for five years.
0: Mm. Right. And so going back to more of the, the that bright young girl that was, yes. you know, satisfied with her home life, um, what did that, that look like in terms of your sense of expression of self? You had two older brothers, did you say?
1: Two older brothers. It was... Um, it was a very patriarchal uh, family, mm. uh, and uh, we certain ha- certainly had our roles in the family. That was how I was, I was brought up. I was always a very um, bright and bubbly young girl. Um, my neighbour called me Sunshine, and it's funny enough, since I've been at my last work, I um, Uh, they someone called me sunshine and one of the lovely Mm. volunteers calls me sunshine it's so Mm. funny so I must have been this this sort of personality from from when I was really little and uh, I had a great sense of community um, beautiful friends played a lot of sport was very crafty I did you know I did lots of craft and knitting and macrame (laughs) things like that yeah so I was very settled it was but I think something in 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 me always wanted to to move away from the country and do bigger mm. things. But I just didn't have um, the knowledge or anything to write go with that because it was mm. never discussed.
0: There was nothing think, visible to you. Was,
1: I think it was assumed that I'd get married and have mm. babies and stay in the bush.
0: Yeah, and and, and in terms be- of the like that patriarchal kind of framework within your household, um, did, you know, obviously like there, there were gender roles quite distinctly mapped out for you. Did that also feed into how you and your mother represented yourselves and and how you were expected to represent yourself?
1: 100%. Mm. And mum worked. Mum um, was a seamstress, beautiful seamstress and, um, she, she worked making um fine furnishings and curtain making and things like that so she worked but she was the one who came home and oh bless her I you know had, she's now 97 and as an adult you, you look back and she'd come home and she'd make she she'd prepare dinner and then she'd stand up doing the ironing and then she'd hang out the washing late at night and and I definitely did all those things to help her as well and um we actually had a wood fire so the boys would chop the wood and mum and i would do the washing <laughs> it was very that way yeah dad would sit at the head of the table and we
0: would serve him his his dinner <laughs> <laughs> and would you would you be like wearing dresses that your mother made for you or what what was said
1: we, we yeah. didn't have a lot of money beautiful joycey's my mum i call her joycey gorgeous joycey uh, we would go and buy fabrics and look for patterns and so she would make my my dresses right from when I was little um to go out to the the dances and things at school Mm. so I'd pick the fabrics and and she would
0: sew the dresses for me or knit. was that a nice point of connection for the two of you is
1: it like oh we're so close and she Mm. knitted all the beautiful jumpers and and she taught me how to knit, mm. and uh, she's still a beautiful knitter. And so we always um, had a love of that together. We're extremely
0: close to this day, extremely close, yes. That's gorgeous. Do you guys, yeah. I wonder now, like if if she's reflecting on how, you know, bright you were as a, as a young girl, do you guys ever reflect back on the way that your household was framed and think, ooh, we could have, we could have uh, maybe shifted a few things there. to you
1: guys to chat about that? What? It, yes, um, we do chat about that, and I often reflect on. See, with my two boys, I didn't have girls, but with my two boys, education has been extremely important to me. Mm. Extremely important to me because I wanted to make sure they had the opportunities that I wasn't afforded when I was younger, and mm. and I. And, um, and with mum, do you know, on reflection as well, she's always been such a, a quiet, gentle person and never really, uh, I guess, stood up for herself. And since my father passed, which is over 20 years ago, I've realised now actually how strong a woman she is and was mm-hmm. during all those... Perhaps difficult years at times,
0: mm. an
1: inner strength, which was not shown in anger
0: mm.
1: or harsh words. A just just a very gentle soul that managed everything yeah. beautifully. Yeah, yeah so I've got <laughs> a lot of strength I now know from my mum. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Do you think that you, – did you perceive that differently through your life? Like, did you look at her and think at one point she wasn't strong because she yes. was servile? Yes. Mm. Um,
1: but I don't think that now. No. <laughs> and I haven't thought that for a long time. But definitely because I, I also used to at times – Stand up for Mum. Not that there was anything overly horrible, but yes, I, I just um,
0: would would be her voice at times.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. So finding your voice, you you moved away. Um, you moved to Tamworth, the big Smoke. What what stage of life, was this? Now the sixties still, or the seventies? No, you were, no, you in so, the seventies.
1: So I was I was born in the 60s. Si- I left school in nineteen seventy nine
0: okay. when I was
1: sixteen. So it the an early, and then I was nineteen
0: when right. I moved
1: to to Tamworth. So that was the early eighties. Yeah.
0: And so, so you you're you're operating. So you're moving out of something that's quite traditional and quite enclosed, and not a lot of visibility to the broader kind of workings of the world. But you're moving at a time where that sense of female liberation is so strong and so vocal, how mm. did that influence you? Do you know what?
1: I, I don't think I thought about it. In <laughs> all honesty.
0: Because I, I think I was still in the country. You know, I was still yeah. in Tamworth. and. Yeah. So it still wasn't something that was loud in it your kind of cultural loud, framework. I
1: wish I could say that I was aware of it, mm. but I just wasn't. The, my circle uh, of friendships there, we didn't discuss that type of thing. And yet we were all working, we were all independent. Um, and it, it, isn't it interesting? No, I, mm. I didn't think about it. Do you know, I don't think I really thought much about it until I travelled and and I moved to Sydney. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, was it? Is it? Did you start? Because I know that obviously you worked as a flight attendant for ANSET yes. yes. for a long time. When yes. did all of that happen in your your life?
1: Well, um, that happened in um, 1988. I joined anset Mm -hmm. Um, i was working at the uh, airport hilton prior to that after i'd been traveling for a year and um, that was fabulous i worked on ground staff for two years and then um, which was such a wonderful job too i love i I just i'm just such a people person it was i just anset was such a fabulous airline to work for And uh, so I was on ground staff for a couple of years and then I physically used to close the aircraft doors and I was that person at the top of the lounge, you know, saying all the boarding um, calls and all of that things and taking all the documents down to the crew and closing the aircraft door. And then I just thought, gosh, I'd really love to be on the other side of that door. Yeah. Yeah, and so in after the pilots' dispute, which was in um, I believe 1989, um, I I came back and um, I applied to be a flight attendant, and I was in the first training school after the pilots' dispute, and I remember I ended up having because we were on um shift work and our allowances we just went on to base wage we could barely make ends meet so I ended up getting a second job at a at a nightclub called Rococo's at the rocks (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't a very good uh waitress I have to tell you (laughs) but it was fun it was fun it made ends meet so it was after that that um uh Yes, the first training school after the pilot dispute, which was huge.
0: It was amazing. so. So, were you a single girl then? working like you were yes. on your own. So, single girl working in Sydney working as a flight attendant, working in nightclubs. So, quite already quite disrupted from what was already otherwise prescribed for you. How did that yes. resonate? Look. It was it was very interesting
1: because I I constantly um, it's really interesting when you've been brought up in a certain way yet you're living a different time. Hmm. So I think with my relationships because I was of course dating and having a wonderful time and
0: going out with various. And I can young, imagine. I'm just looking at you now, Julie. You're a very attractive woman. I can only imagine how gorgeous you would have been. Uh, at that time (laughs) oh thank you so much
1: that's another thing I've looked back on in my maturing years I'll be turning (laughs) 60 very soon and I look back there's a saying beauty is lost on the young oh yeah (laughs) yeah and it's so so very true I've I've taken some photos that were in storage out and it's a lot of photos from my fun times flying and even before. And I, I look at that person that I was then, like a third person, and I thought, oh, my gosh, she was so pretty and petite. And I absolutely didn't see it in myself. I was, even back then, outwardly confident, inwardly not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I didn't have a lot of self-belief. And I think that stemmed from...
0: When I was a kid. Um, yeah. All, well, because no one told you you could be all these things, right? No
1: one told me I could be. And ev- all my life, I've, because I've always been loud and, and um, laughing loud and telling stories, um, I've always been told to be quiet. Right. All my entire life I've been told to be quiet, which now I see as put me in a box, you know, be mm. quiet,
0: be small, and um, and so that time when you were single and living what ostensibly is quite a fabulous life, yeah. did you feel like you could be loud then? No, not really. Mm. I was,
1: but yeah. I was still got told to be quiet. They don't need to see so, you jewels in row 33.
0: <laughs> 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 and, and you're obviously you know, you're going into ANSET, you you got the role as a flight attendant, you're in uniform, um, but did the world, did you feel like the world literally opened up to you as you started to see more beyond?
1: 100%, yes. And because I was with so many amazing people flight attendants and the pilots and the, the lovely conversations I'd have with various passengers through mm-hmm. that, you know, the 13 years I was with, with Ansett, the world became my oyster. Yeah, it yeah. did. And but I still had that inner voice. The inner voice is very difficult to shift. And it really wasn't in all honesty till I um, came to dress for success which we can go into later. Mm. And there's a few stories I'll tell about that journey. Um, it really has been pivotal. When I mm. say that Dress for Success changed my life, I don't say that um heartedly It's changed my life in so many ways. I am honestly the best version of myself I ever have been. And it's a hundred percent because of walking through the doors. Mm. Mm. It really is. That's why when you're asking me these questions, I can only be honest and say, well, yes, but that inner voice, that, that inner child. self loudly. Oh, yeah, very it, oh,
0: it's very loud in a lot of, us, and,
1: <laughs> and you know, um, I've changed so much and, and just, and it's very interesting when you change, fundamentally and start to stand up for yourself it's not easy for others who have been in your life forever to be able to accept that new version of who you become Mm. which I found
0: interesting Mm. and sorry what was your mum's name again
1: Joyce
0: Joyce Joyce, Joyce. Joyce, I call her has Joyce loved seeing that change in you
1: She's so proud of me. Yeah, very, very proud of me. And
0: um, yes, she definitely has. Yes. All right, we're we're going to get to dress for success, but there's a few pathways (laughs) before that. Oh yeah, I've had such a life. I really have. (laughs) So I want to know: Does this loud young woman, um, who's you know got to be, uh, as I said, in uniform? Keeping up a very polished appearance uh, during her work life, did she were you loud in terms of how you dressed or how you presented yourself outwardly um, outside of work? No, I'm uh, quite conservative, really. Quite yeah. conservative. So what, what did that what that did that young woman? Yeah, I imagine you were you. Yeah, I mean, you are. I imagine mm. you were then. Uh, what did what did you wear? What what did that look like?
1: Uh, I'm trying to think back, well, uh, it would be whatever was in in fashion at the time, you know, I remember the the shoulder pads and hosiery was big and um, gosh, how do I describe what I, I wore back then? It seems so so long ago. I wish I'd thought about that before we we, we chatted. I yeah. when we were going to do do our face to face like like in person interview, yeah. I had this fabulous couple of outfits I was going to show you. One was that was my mum's. I I, I love fashion. Uh, yes, one was from my mum when she was in her sixty. in, in, in from the nineteen sixties. Yeah. And one was when I was in the Miss Australia quest back in nineteen eighty four. And I still have that
0: dress, and it was. Uh, oh, and I had kind of, missed this whole chapter. I never knew you were in the Miss Australia quest. Let's jump. Right I into was, that. and I had yeah. this. I've got this fabulous dress that I can still fit into, because yeah. that that
1: that dress. It's and it was so funny. It was black and red striped, with the. You know how they had a like it, it was 1984 and it had the billowy top and the straight skirt, but it came above my knee straight shirt. so because i i have you know i'm nearly 60 so my body shape has changed i can still wear it i nearly yes. wore it today i thought wouldn't that be funny to wear my 19 <laughs> retro 1984 um yes. miss australia quest dress <laughs> but um at, i remember at the function which was a, at a one function was out of Bankstown and here I am the country girl and everyone else was in these taffetas and I rock up which is really quite funny you'd think I would have been
0: in the one in the taffetas yeah and um but I wore this frock (laughs) and so what inspired that what like where did you get the idea for it how did you find it did you make it with your mum no I didn't make it I was in since I was living
1: uh independently in Tamworth then and um I just would have Went down to the local um, town street, as we call it, this downtown, and uh, bought the frock there. And I think I probably didn't have any idea that people were wearing taffeta. Probably, <laughs> I know what taffeta if I known that?
0: <laughs> and so, what happened? You, you you participated? What made you do that? Well, I have to tell you, this is a very funny story,
1: and you've got to realise this is nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Okay, so it is a very funny story, and the girls at work said, oh, my God, Jules, you really got to tell that story. It's kind of hilarious. So back in the day, um, Miss Australia Quest was slightly – Look, I don't know if we've we I guess there's a Miss Australia Quest now, but back in the day, it was really a big thing. And mm-hmm. so if you're working for a big organisation, and I was working for Social Security then, so it was Australia-wide, and other organisations, let's say you're working for a, the Com Bank or something like that, so these big organisations would run their own pageant prior, and then if you won that pageant, there's Miss Personality and Miss Charity, and the money that was collected from all the other entrants would go to you to then go on to the Miss Australia Quest. So what I'm talking about now is, this is a funny bit, was miss social
0: security
1: (laughs) (laughs) which in itself is hilarious so anyway so i was in miss social security and so the function i'm discussing was the the big ball at the end where and um we were interviewed um and we had to do deportment and all of that sort of thing and Ann sanders she interviewed me and i remember her and she had this she was so beautiful and she had this electric blue silk blouse on and i remember her interviewing me anyway we go to the ball and this is where everyone was in taffeta and i wore this this um red and black dress and i won miss miss personality (laughs) (laughs) so the loudness paid off for you (laughs) it paid off and from there so yes and And I'm the reigning Miss Personality because (laughs) the public service rightly so said, Well, that's very sexist. Because, you know, like, and and so that's it. There's no more. Right. The end of that. So I'm the reigning Miss Social Security. I've got a sash and everything.
0: (laughs) Excellent. And and you're saying anyway. you wanted to show me your mum's dress. What what, oh, what was that and why was it significant? It was just so significant. It's just she only kept a couple of things and it's this little
1: beauty. She was very petite. They called them extra small women's, you know, and she's not even five foot tall. She's so mm. tiny and mm. she was so tiny. She wore this after she'd had three children in her 30s and uh, it was just cut beautifully. It's like a little straight dress very Jackie O um and a little bolero um jacket over it and she had the bill pillbox hat I've got that and these lovely little mother of pearl earrings that were shaped in doves like doves yeah and I've got the the pearls the the necklace as well so I've got yeah. the whole outfit I can't fit into it anymore but <laughs> yeah so I just knew that you would like like to see those
0: oh yeah of course well maybe you can send them to me afterwards so we can share, share them on social media when we um, are talking with, about with your yeah oh I'd love it please <laughs> send me those photos <laughs> um, it's a different time thank goodness <laughs> so let's get back on to you know you being you you working at Anset and you know your world is opening up what what happened from there for you Joy? Well um then in
1: 1993 um just after my 30th birthday um I I met my then went on to be my husband mm-hmm. so life went on and I was you know, married and flying and loving that, still travelling.
0: And then I... And and was there pressure at that stage for you to settle down? Did you feel that at that point in your life? I really wanted
1: it. There was no... Well, there was pressure in the sense that I always wanted to have children. Mm -hmm. I've always loved children and I was in my 30s and, Yeah. yeah, I was ready Yeah, Mm. I was really ready and no, there was no pressure except on myself. I really wanted to um, have, you know. That was something that you were, yeah. Yeah, fundamental in what
0: I I saw my future to be. Mm. And your then-to-be husband, he he loved the fact that you were travelling and moving around and independent. Loved loved
1: it, very supportive. Um, We had a really great life. Um, we, were, we were together for quite some time before, a few years before we married, and, and Marco was born when I was just turning thirty-five. So I was right. thirty when we met, yeah. and I was turning thirty-five um, when Marco was born, and I was still flying then. That was in right. ninety-nine, mm. and and you stopped
0: flying not because of motherhood, correct? No,
1: I would have would have kept on flying. This is where the twist with and turns of life, you never know how your, your life is going to turn out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, so, Marco was born in 99 and then in 2001, in actual fact, it was the same week as September 11. I'd found out I was pregnant um, with Xavier the week before September 11. And I started to think about my long service leave. I was going to come back part-time. I was never going to to leave flying. I was never going Mm. to be a stay-at-home mum. That was never Mm. the plan. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so September 11 happened. I found out I was pregnant. September 11 happened. And then the same week, ANSEC collapsed. It was a really tumultuous time. And... I didn't feel the pressure to go out and look for another job because I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And that's where my life changed to the direction that I thought it was going to be. Mm
0: -hmm. So what happened?
1: Well, so I was 39, um, turning 39 when I had Xavier. And it was decided between us both that I would, at that stage, stay at home to look after the boys, mm. and I was happy to do that. I I never planned to have that be thirteen years out of the workforce. Mm. We have no family um, support in Sydney, and life just rolled along and the kids grew up and I very much became the stay-at-home mum. They were both extremely, uh, they were both academic, both really sporty, so my aspirations kind of faded into the background at one stage when I still had some self-belief and self-confidence. It hadn't been eroded away yet I had thought of going to university to study nutrition because that was always something that I was interested in, but that was squashed because of financial constraints, and that was a bit disappointing. Um, and then years went on, and and yes, I, I I remember thinking at one stage I would have liked to have gone back to the workforce, but I my confidence had been and self-belief had already been eroded so much.
0: I just And what, where, what, what was the erosion? Was it just not having that sense of purpose that was about, you know, solely for, for your own sense of self? Was it, were there other things going on that were decaying your confidence?
1: I think there was other things going on that I couldn't have put a name to it back then. But definitely I, again, didn't feel at times
0: possibly I had a voice again. Mm. Was that something within your marriage? Is that something that shifted?
1: I think you sometimes, the role you play, you don't even know
0: you're playing that role. If I can Mm. skim over it a little bit, I guess yeah i know i know that this is quite sensitive uh yes um
1: but definitely yes and so fast forwarding um if i if i can uh, it's a it's such a a slow burn Mm. to losing one's self and one's identity that when things fall apart, it's very hard to accept where you are. There were, there were times when I tried to change things within my marriage to have some control, but I failed at that. I, I didn't get that over the line, unfortunately. and. My life had been so consumed with um, my beautiful boys and I don't regret one minute of that. Oh, I'm sure you it's don't. Because allowed them to, because I was very sporty and we had no family around to, to help with getting them to their various sporting events, I did all of that. And that's very hard. Uh, I would have only been able to work part-time um, because a lot of the things they did took a lot of time, now because yeah. they were playing sport at an elite level. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I just, I just became that. I just became the perfect soccer mum.
0: Yeah. And 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 is then- that what you looked like? Like in terms, because you've obviously gone from being this independent woman who loved fashion and kind of. Ran with what was going on to a woman that didn't have her own income and was kind of starting to lose senses of self. Did you, did that reflect in how you dressed and were you still putting effort in? How did that look? Well,
1: it, I would put effort in if I was going out, perhaps, as in an evening out, mm-hmm. I would wear makeup. No, I didn't wear any makeup, which is kind of nice, but. No, I didn't wear makeup jeans. Did you care was, less
0: about how you looked?
1: No. I wouldn't say I cared less about how I, I look. I always made sure that my good hair, good teeth, I say. <laughs> I still took pride in myself. I still took I, I was very much I went to the gym. I, I because I was a stay at home I, I could do that. So that was <laughs> a really positive. I was always because when I was younger I played a lot of sport. And yep. so being healthy and active was always part of my life. So no, no, I I can't say that I didn't take pride in my appearance. I just didn't have the the clothing that I would have had.
0: Mm.
1: So so. And did DC you miss payment. it? Oh yes, I missed <laughs> it. Oh, and and being a flight attendant was such an identity. It was who I was. I loved it. Mm. I loved being in the uniform and. It, it was very hard. It was, I, I, I lost my identity as well when, when I lost my job back then. Mm-hmm. I found a new identity, but I was a shadow of my former self, I think. Yeah. But I was good at what I was doing. I
0: was a good mum. It sounds like, Julie, you've always been good at outwardly projecting an image, even if inside things were kind of crumbling. Is that fair to say?
1: 100 percent
0: all mm. my life yeah all yeah. my life
1: yeah lots of crying on the inside or crying behind closed doors and the bright bubbly
0: Julie outwardly mm. mm-hmm. very much all my life I'd say that so you got to a point where your relationship I assume fell apart um and you didn't have really any financial independence at that point, right? I I know you've said that you didn't even have a phone account in your name. Or a utility.
1: (coughs) Excuse me. So when when the marriage collapsed, that's when it really hit home. It was when you first leave school and you start to get yourself together and you get your first credit card and things like that. And you go out on your own and you get a utility bill. And these days you need a credit rating to mm-hmm. do anything really, like moving forward to get a home loan or anything. I had none of that because over those 20 odd years of being um, in this relationship, I, it just chipped away. I didn't even realise it was happening. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I had to reestablish myself from the ground up.
0: What well, if you don't mind? What was yes. the low point? Where like, where did you kind of? So your marriage has ended. You've mm. dipped down. What what did that look like? I mean, that yeah. was
1: that was so debilitating because Marco, because he is very bright. He was very, um, I'm not gonna, he was fortunate to be able to have a scholarship, academic scholarship, a, a beautiful private school. And so I, he was going into year 11 uh, doing the International Baccalaureate. Um, so it's a two-year diploma program. And I was very aware that um i was trying to keep things on an even keel for his next two years so no one at that private school knew that i was even separated Mm. over that two years so i had that facade which is very hard and xavier he wasn't he wasn't afforded those opportunities so he went to our local public high school which was fine it was different there because xavier was quite happy not that marco wasn't embarrassed it wasn't that but xavier was starting out at a new school and i was very open with that school so i was leading these two lives even then Mm -hmm. um
0: yeah it was very difficult those two years um because at one stage you were like doing cleaning jobs right
1: yes so I'm actually so proud of my. I, I, I'm trying not to cry because I'm absolutely so proud of myself for accepting that it, there's no shame in doing whatever you have to do to keep food on the table and a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's such an amazing role to be a cleaner, I see that now. Gosh, it was hard work because my, my darling friend who offered me that, um, it was end of lease cleaning and gosh, it's hard work. It's mm. really hard work. I had a couple of um, beautiful um, private um, cleaning jobs where I, I would go to some beautiful poems. One was actually, two in the, they were both in the inner west where I live now and um, gosh, I, I loved going there I put my yeah. music on and I, I just did such a good job because I just wanted their home to be how I'd want the home to be yeah. if I had been paying some to, someone to do that. So I admire anybody who does that role as a cleaner. Yeah. And, and, um, and I think I was originally embarrassed. Not think I was. I'm no longer. I'm proud of myself and I'm proud of all the women that do whatever they can
0: to provide for their family. So but it must have been is... hard having, like, a, I guess, a, a secret life, you know, especially in an environment where people assume <laughs> it's quite affluent um, <laughs> and appearance-focused. How did you maintain that for two years? You do what you have to do. I... I
1: I just managed to, th- I guess I, you know, I always, I look at, I must've always had that sense of style to throw whatever I had on to look the part. Mm-hmm. You know, a nice blouse, the beautiful collar, pair of boots or whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and friends would lend me clothes. <laughs> so I always had that managed to way to pull myself together to present well. So that's how. Do you
0: think that that actually helped you
1: oh, 100%. To, to
0: to to carry yourself into those difficult scenarios where I, I, feel, I imagine you would have been quite emotionally torn?
1: I was very emotionally torn, and at it, the facade crumbled. Only on one occasion I remember when I had to leave a function because I just felt so incredibly low about myself and where I'd I'd fallen I guess I, I I don't know why but I just blamed myself and um I had to leave and darling Marco he just knew that I wasn't myself you know why aren't you why aren't you talking to the other um parents mum and I said I just can't I'm sorry I'm getting a bit emotional no it's okay I am too <laughs> it's just such a hard time and and I walked outside and he came out to comfort me because he said you know let's go outside and and I said um I just you know darling I don't don't fit in here like I'm just look at all these amazing people that have these amazing lives and oh, I'm so I'm so sorry, sweetheart." And and he um, said how proud he was of me, and that he wouldn't be there if it wasn't for me. And and for the first time, I I left. I I couldn't rise above it. I just couldn't rise above it. And um, so he went back in. And that's the first time I would never been there for my boys. You know, I'd never done that in my life. And um, but that was that was really, to be honest, Madeline. That was that was it. That's when I went no come on, Jules, you've got to pull yourself together here and you have to um, just um, do something. Do something to um, get your, your life back on track. And um, that, that was that pivotal time, that light bulb moment that I said, come on, take a brief breath and you've got this, girlfriend, you've got this. this. I had to change my self-talk and, and that's when I went and I, I enrolled in a TAFE course.
0: Right. And is that how you found Dress for Success? That
1: is how I found Dress for Success. Um, mm. So the TAFE course was through an outreach program for women um, um, that um, were going through struggling and, and being out of the workforce for a long time and things like that. It was fabulous. It was called Working Opportunities for Women and it's a fabulous course and it's still there. And um, at the end of that, um, we were invited to Dress for Success. I've, I've since learned, which is another one of those twists and turns of fate, I guess, that it was the first time that that program had aligned with Dress for Success. So I was the, I was the first class <laughs> of, of women that had been invited to come to Dress for Success. Um, and so... I knew he didn't come because I knew of Dress for Success because my friends donated to Dress for Success. And um, I thought, oh, gosh,
0: I don't know if that's really for me. Because you've said before that you didn't feel like you were the type of woman that should be using that service.
1: I I thought – there were people um, in far more vulnerable positions than me that were homeless or coming out of incarceration. and But I changed my mind. And B, I do like to complete things. That's part of my personality. You start something, you complete it. So I said, no, no, I'm going to do this. It's, it's part of this course, and I've been given this opportunity, I'll go best decision of my life oh my gosh what a great decision that was to to change my mind and walk through the doors
0: here at dress for success so you're obviously you know going back to the beginning of our interview it's had such an impact can it can you break that down <laughs> is there I ways to, s- to, I certainly to unpack can. it so i
1: felt so vulnerable walking in so um insecure again like like did I deserve this um and when I walked in and the beautiful volunteers and some of the volunteers actually all of them really that looked after me they still are here so now I see them all the time and I know how much I love them they are so beautiful and kind and they they, it's it's like a this beautiful, kind, warm environment. Like a, I, I've said this before, a, a collective warm hug, mm. and I just felt so accepted. I didn't feel judged. They asked me how I felt, um, what was going on in my life, and they were t- very, very kind and caring. And they collected so many beautiful
0: clothes for me. That was overwhelming. That was Do you think it was working. the first time, Julie, that you were in an environment where you didn't feel you needed to keep up a pretense? Yes. Yep. I was allowed
1: to feel vulnerable. I was. Mm-hmm. And I'd had that with, uh, let me just say, I'd had that with my girlfriends as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. But in this... Um, outward work, you know outward to to the world
0: mm.
1: outside the door other than outside anywhere.
0: your inner sanctum inner
1: sanctum yeah yes it definitely was and so I was very honest with my current situation and oh, they bought so many beautiful outfits and I, I know I've mentioned this before there was one that was particularly lovely and when I popped it on and the ladies gave me a necklace and hosiery and shoes and a handbag and I put this dress on and I looked in the mirror and gosh, it was like seeing me again. That woman that used to stroll down the concourse with her head held high <laughs> with that that inner glow coming out and (laughs) and the the volunteers we I cried and they cried because I'm I'm a a, wearing my heart on my sleeve person very open and um we all cried and then um the, the, the I I see it now it's really funny now that I'm I'm working here and the the staff all came out and went oh my gosh you look like a model you look so beautiful went, oh thank you <laughs> so i now know like that's why i love working here because i know what it's like when someone actually tells you not just that you're beautiful it's not about beauty it's about you look how amazing you look and you, your shoulders go back and your head goes up and I see it every day. I work here. I see that transformation in women and I know what an outfit
0: does. It's, it's transformative. Mm. So what do you think? Cause you, you obviously were a woman that always knew that how to have style regardless of means. Um, yes. so what was it about that dress? What was it about that moment that created that magic for for you and the people around you? Do you know
1: what? I would never have chosen that outfit for me. It was very slim-fitting. And it's funny how you see yourself. I think I'd, I hate to say it, I think I'd become that mum, you know, like a mummy brain that I couldn't look. So womanly, it's sexy mm. for lack of a, mm. a better term, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It was shapely, and it it was so stylish and beautiful
0: necklace, and it just resonated with me. I felt Did so. Do you cool. think the magic? Because I'm trying to. Because no matter who I speak to from Dress for Success, you all talk about that moment, and it is enough to bring everyone to tears. And through these interviews, it's happened yes. consistently, no matter which side of the coin of dress for, success, dress for success you've been on. And to unpack that, obviously the clothes are, you know, a, a very big part of, of the process. But do you think that part of it is that you have an opportunity to see yourself through those volunteers eyes that somebody else is seeing your beauty in a way that you've forgotten and the clothes just enable that
1: Madeline you've unpacked that really well that is perfect <laughs> <laughs> that is exa- yes that is exactly what it is yeah someone else seeing what you don't see and you know what they have such kind words Mm -hmm. gosh that even dress of success and those beautiful volunteers keep giving back to me all the time just recently it as a woman you go through so many different stages in your life and as I said I'm approaching 60 and you go through menopause and your body changes and you lose control of a lot of that and so I've got a different shape now One of our lovely volunteers that's been here a long time, she looked at me the other day, she said, oh, Julie, look how beautiful and curvy you are. Gosh, you're gorgeous. And I went, oh, thank you. (laughs) And I just thought, I said to her, thank you. Oh, my gosh, I've never been told that. Thank you. And I, I see myself, even now... It's amazing. So I'd, I'd like to say that to women in general. Please genuinely compliment someone, but not just about, oh, that dress looks lovely. Maybe that, oh my gosh, you're sexy or that. Like she said, you're curvy. Yeah. And I thought, because I was always so petite and skinny. I was so tiny, yeah. right? I'd never been called told I was curvy. And that's one of the things. And I see that now, that Going this change in who I am now, I'm now that small comment has
0: again changed my perception. So one of the things that you started off saying at the beginning of the interview was that dress for success changed that fundamental thing in you that was outwardly confident but inwardly critical. Yes. How did it quieten or? dulled down that inner critic how has dress for success done that for you
1: well it's that in itself has been a little bit of a journey it wasn't instantaneous it's a process so I continued to do the cleaning and I um, started doing their workshops because dress for success is so much more than the outfit. We have these wonderful workshops um, and back then eight years ago, it was all in house here, so it was face to face, and I did resume writing because I hadn't had a had res- hadn't written a resume since 1988, <laughs> last century, and um, I certainly hadn't been for an interview. So they we did some mock interviews. I also did a money management course. Now they have, you know there's LinkedIn, that wasn't around. That's all new LinkedIn yeah. and things like that, and how to you know connect with people um so i did those those courses so slowly 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 i was not only feeling more confident about my appearance i was building up my self-esteem and building up my inner belief and my confidence and i've noticed that um with the women that come in i would say the number one issue for the women that walk through our door is confidence Mm. that's it that's that's a precursor to um, a lack of self-belief is that inner confidence, which is another thing. With all these stepping stones that Dress of Success can offer, which I did the work, and I say that to clients to say, we can give you this and then you have to do the work, you know. You have yeah. to start to
0: build on that. So that's what I did. And, and it sounds like in Dress of Success, so it, it, you do the work, it, it helps you, you know, kind of frame that appearance to to then filter inwardly. But it also provides a sense of belonging and a social circle of support um, that women might not otherwise be receiving. Is that fair to say? Very much so. So you've gone full circle, Julie. You've you've gone not only from um, a client of Dress for Success to now working for the organisation, But you've also gone from working or being in very male-dominated environments to being surrounded by women all the time because you worked for the Football Association. Yeah, I worked for, yeah, uh, Football Australia. Football Australia.
1: Yes, it is very Mm. male-dominant, but I have to admit it was a wonderful organisation to work for. I fell on my feet there. Yeah. They're a big part of my journey because... You, you do perceive it as male-dominant, but you've got to remember the Matildas are part of that and they mm. have forged ahead with women's pay, equal pay and different things. I was surrounded by so many amazing young women there. Gosh, they inspired me.
0: Did you Gosh, find a bit of your me. old, younger self back in, in that place, in, I... those, in those girls? Yes and no. I
1: used to say to them, gosh, you're teaching me a lot of things that I wish I'd known when I was younger. Mm. That belief. I, they called me Mama Jules there and I loved that. It wasn't a derogatory term. Yeah. I love them like family, my, yeah. my football family. And those those young ladies were so inspiring, so inspiring. And they taught me so much. And, of course, I started my advocate speaking during that time too. Right. And that, in itself, that's that I found my voice.
0: Yeah. So the the voice that you've been told to quieten, you now can. You found a place t- to make it loud and and rightfully so.
1: I just love it. I feel <laughs> when when I get on, I. Could, would never think that I could ever do public speaking
0: mm-hmm.
1: in a million years, which is such a interesting, I'm such a people person, but public speaking is so different. The first time I, I, and it was an impromptu event that I hopped up and spoke about my journey and I got in front of that microphone, it was very interesting and it was just like an out-of-body experience it was quite interesting yeah I found myself in front of that
0: microphone well given what you told me it sounds like it would have been liberating have that little child in you say don't speak and then have everybody egging you on to speak would have been freeing
1: it was so freeing I know I've got a million stories about dress for success but before so that was an informal impromptu situation and then from that um, the current CEO of Dress for Success and the the chair came up to me and I didn't know them I was just there as a you know as a supporter of Dress for Success when I Mm -hmm. was someone said you should get up and tell your story which I said no to to begin with and then I went oh I'll do it. (laughs) And they said, oh, we'd love you to speak at International Women's Day. I nearly died. Can you imagine? I'm going, what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So anyway, I came in to dress the success to be styled for that event. And as I was leaving, the lady at the front desk then, um, I was being my loud self, telling a story with the volunteers. And she said to her, she shushed me. It down, and um, she must have been on the phone or something. And I had the two volunteers there. Now, because I'd been told that all my life, to be honest, I didn't think anything of it. Yeah, I just lowered my voice. But one of the volunteers said to me, "Oh my goodness, Julie, I used to be a teacher, and I would give anything to have your voice. I would give anything to have your projection." And I didn't say it then, but I walked out there again, again. And I walked out and I went, oh, no one's ever in my entire life, and I'm now in my mid-50s, no one's ever told me my voice is worth listening to. And that night I spoke at my first big event for Dress for Success
0: for International Women's Day. There you go. <laughs> so, and you're not afraid to speak out now. From a messaging perspective to to be vocal and to, to kind of express what is important to you for all your life, life lessons, what are the messages that you would like to, to have other people hear? Independence is
1: key. I think that is this. And it can be in small ways. I think having a career... And when you have a family, you may not, don't go just even if it's a, a few days a week. Just keeping your independence and financial independence and financial literacy is so very important. Education is very important to continue learning. Um, ask for help. That's a big one. Mm. don't be too proud to ask for help be vulnerable and then the world is your oyster but it's a big thing to keep that financial independence. it's so so very important mm. to not forget who you are
0: and, and do you think that from your life experience your worldview has changed the way you 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 know you were started off as a bright girl happy to conform to patriarchal kind of institutions how how does that resonate with the way you see the world now I am
1: so not that person anymore
0: (laughs) (laughs) no and
1: I, I I shout it from the rooftops in in the sense that when I speak to young women and men Because men can find themselves in this situation as well. That it's so very important to keep that sense of self. And, yeah, I'm so not that person anymore. I'll never be that person anymore.
0: Mm.
1: I've changed completely. And I stand up for myself. My boys... (laughs) my proudest achievement, Mm. we have to have young men coming through that walk the walk and talk the talk for women's rights and, and believing in women and that they're equal. And I think that's, that's a big job and one we can see there's a long way to go. But I think the more young men and men that's that stand up and have a voice is very, very important. So, so,
0: so, how yeah, do you think yeah. that they perceive you now?
1: They perceive me as a strong, strong mum, good role model, kind, still, still me, still kind, still generous with my heart, but um, doing things I never thought I could ever do. Ah. Uh, I can inspire others. And when I, I have people say to me, oh, you're so inspiring, Julie. That's a hard one for me to accept, but I can, I can see it because I, I see in my role now where I come across women who were in my position and far worse, I have the opportunity now to change lives by a small gesture, a small word of confidence, a small word of, gosh, you're a great mum. Gosh, your kids us. They're so lucky to have you look at you, you're going to come back. I know you're going to get that job. I know you're going to get that job. And I can't wait to see you when you come back. Mm. What a privilege. What a privilege it is for me to be able to be where my journey started in my self belief and getting my life back on track to be able to be here and to share that now with honesty, to sit down with women, to say, I do know and I'm hearing you and I'm listening Mm. and you've you've got this.
0: Yeah. And Julie, today, in terms of how you appear, how you dress yourself, what does that tell the world about your story?
1: That tells the world that I'm self-confident, I walk with my head held high. I'm a woman of a certain age that will not be spoken down to. and my clothing says that I take pride in my appearance. And you know I, gosh, it's it's hard to put into words. I love how I look. I love that I can get dressed up and do my hair and makeup, but I also equally love that I still don't wear makeup and I can still go out and feel confident not to wear makeup, but I do always like to wear lipstick. (laughs) I won't ever go out without my lipstick. And back in the day, we'd say, red set lipstick. So, I, so I, you're I still said, rocking the red anset lipstick? I didn't today, but oh, my God, it's such a thing, and I sure rock the red anset lipstick when I have the opportunity.
0: And my last question to you, Julie, is when you're Joyce's age? Yes. 97.
1: <laughs> God bless her. What, what would you love to see yourself wearing? Something I'm wearing now. <laughs> Stylish. Yeah. My grandmother... Um, who is the most beautiful country woman too. Um, I'm very much built like my grandmother, so my mum's mum and she was born in she was born in 1899 and um, she used to go off to the country races and she often won best dressed at the country races. So I feel like I'm kind of channeling Emily as well. <laughs> I want to rock Emily when I'm ninety seven.
0: Yeah. yeah, and still feel sexy and curvy oh, and fabulous.
1: <laughs> Be gorgeous and gorgeous like my mum too, and she she loves colour, and uh, she's gorgeous at ninety seven. I'm yeah. blessed if I'm like her at ninety seven.
0: <laughs> oh, Julie, thank you so much for giving me your time and sharing your style story with me.
1: I'm honoured. Thank you for asking me. I'm so oh. it's been lovely to finally meet you. Thank you. No,
0: thanks, Julie. Julie's humble beginnings in country life may have predicated no role further than wife, but as her wings flew and her independence grew, the world stretched out before her and Julie embraced it with enthusiasm, adventure, and timeless style. Julie's style may have remained poised and eager to please, but as her inner critic got loud and her sense of self got small, she always found the strength to slap on a lipstick smile and put on a polished appearance. And while she may still be petite, Julie has found the strength and independence to take up her rightful space, project her voice and share her heartfelt and colorful story with style. To join the Dress for Success Career Hub, a one-stop shop to help you at every stage of your career journey, visit dfscareerhub.org.au.